enjoy kind of observing and parents sharing when they notice among their children, especially when they're very young, the traits and the qualities, and they begin to project ahead. Oh, you know, my daughter, she's going to be she's going to be a great teacher someday. You know, at, already at age six, seven, or eight, she wants to take that role. Or, you know, my son, he's 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 going to be in the medical profession. You know, he just he cares for people, and you know, he's fascinated by it and things like that. I sense, and and I learned this a little bit at the high school. You can find out which one of your kids are going to be lawyers particularly when you're disciplining them. Because it seems from the very earliest of age, when you're getting disciplined, that qu those qualities shine through that, that will become the lawyer later in life. You know what I mean. You know, they're getting, maybe getting disciplined with other siblings or with other kids for something. And someone starts making the, the argument, the proposal, why they should be treated differently. That's the future, you know, defense lawyer who will have ads on television, on late night television. Or then there's the one who notices that the discipline or feels the discipline they received was different than some comparable circumstance for someone else. Then they start standing and arguing for perfectly equitable treatment for everyone. Well, they're going to end up in the ACLU and argue on that proposal. This idea that we could be treated differently from the very earliest time, you know, we kind of cringe at, we react to. It's something that came to my mind as I was thinking about today's gospel. We tend, as I've said before, not to notice the stark distinctions of category, of, of, of example, uh, the way it's laid out and the way that the first Christians, the first people of Israel, the Holy Land, would have heard it. Remember, there are three parts to John the Baptist's teaching today. One is to everyone. So that's a general. That's equitable to all. Everyone be charitable. Everybody, you know, if you have an extra cloak, share it. If you have food, share it. Things like that. That serves everybody. But then he moves to two additional categories. The way it's laid out in Luke's rendering here is first the tax collectors. You have to remember something that the tax collectors, we'll hear more about this later with the choosing of Matthew, the tax collector is one of the disciples, but remember the tax collectors were themselves Jews, people, the Israelite people who were in collaboration with the Roman authorities to collect the taxes. And what they did to make their own living is they would try to push as far as they could what margin of profit, what additional they got. There was a certain minimum that the Romans wanted, and the tax collector got the difference, however much he could get from the people. So that was fraught with, fraught with cheating and difficulty. But John the Baptist had a different message, a very particular challenge to them as to how they needed to do something before they could be prepared for the coming of the Lord. Then there were the Roman soldiers, the soldiers. They were Romans themselves. They weren't even considered people of faith, certainly not people of the, of the covenant of Abraham. They had their Roman gods, and so they were looked down upon, not only feared because they were the Roman occupiers, but they had no recognizable faith at all. And they had to, in order to have that transformation, they had a particular challenge, a particular challenge. Don't extort. Don't use fear to control other people. 
I wonder always whether it's the, the example of children being disciplined or this example that John is using of how he dealt with the Israelite people. How do we accept or deal with being treated differently? We're more like those kids. We're more like the, the children, I think, a lot. Maybe it's our American mindset of wanting to be treated equally, but we, wanted to be treat, we want to be treated separately when we're the center of attention sometimes. I, was, I happened to be reading today's parenting magazine because I pick that up all the time. But I came across, in searching for things for this homily, I came across an article, Discipline, When Siblings Need Different Approaches. So this psychologist who's writing it, when siblings have different temperaments or are, there's a significant age gap, it can be hard to discipline effectively while maintaining a semblance of fairness. The psychologist goes on to help the parents. It's okay to discipline to discipline if discipline isn't always equal, or at least perceived. But the parents must acknowledge with the child, some things just don't seem fair, and then explain the reasons that rules are different in different settings and circumstances. I think that's an insight that we have to, we have to follow in order to understand better what's happening here in the gospel. What's happening is this different necessities for each individual person. There's the general expectation, charity, kindness, mercy, justice. We are, we're good at that. When you look over here, we have our wonderful response to the giving tree. That's what I hope the rectory living room looks like on Christmas morning. So. It is a sign of all of you and your generosity and your willingness. But let's go to the next stage of preparation. I, I mentioned a few weeks ago that my theme my, in my head about what Advent means is first removing the stumbling blocks, the obstacles, and second, opening ourselves to the coming of the Lord. But it's that question of removing the stumbling blocks. Imagine if I got up here and maybe I could do it by groups. I would say, okay, everybody in this section is always late for Mass. You're not because you're up front everybody would see you coming in late. But in order to prepare for Advent, you have to do one thing. And then I go, and you know, that section back over there, you guys never sing. At least I don't hear you very well up here. You have to do something else. That would be bad enough. You'd all start moving around where you sit rather than in the exact same place every Sunday. But what if it, let's, let's even make it worse. Not worse, but more poignant. What if I knew just enough of each one of you you know, so that you can prepare for Advent, so that you can prepare for the coming of the Lord, you need to do this. And then I point to someone else, and you, you need to do this. Wait a minute, they have an easy one. I have a difficult one. Like the children growing up in a family, the distinctions, yes, they, they, they go against some of our, our sense of fairness or equity, whatever, our modern notions of this. But I think the one thing that parents try to convey to their children is I think the sign of, you know, dealing with someone individually, differently, is a sign of that the love is given individually. And the love is given as needed. The love is given as necessary for that child at that time in their life. Sure, there are the general expectations, but in the same way that there are individual challenges, there's an individual love. Certainly there's a common love, a shared love. The Lord loves individuals, families, parishes, the entire global church and the global community. 
but that balances you almost need to have the one so that the other is more meaningful and more fruitful. See, we are sharing the journey. We are sharing the fact that every one of us is challenged in some way. You just can't get hung up on the fact that the person next to you or the person in the next section or pew has a different challenge, a different stumbling block to overcome. But every one of us does have a stumbling block to overcome. And every one of us share in the journey. And every one of us is made stronger knowing that everybody gathered here this morning and in every church in the world is moving towards this removing the stumbling blocks and receiving Christ as the infant in the manger. Now, it almost seems a little heavy to talk about how the challenges and the effort would, would weigh on us each individually, it almost seems difficult to then to refer to this as Gaudete Sunday. Rejoice. It's almost kind of, a, it's a little humorous to the preachers. When Paul writes that to the Philippians, he's using the form in the Latin that, or it's translated from, you know, probably Aramaic to Greek to Latin, but it's, it's imperative, it's a command. Rejoice or else. And the people, you know, I'm sure they would hear it, that it's this direction. How can we rejoice? We don't know what we're rejoicing about yet. And how in this Advent journey can we rejoice so that even when I'm being given a challenge, even when I'm being told that there are stumbling blocks to remove, how can I rejoice in that? Well, the very fact that you're being given the challenge is itself, it becomes the cause of joy. If you can remove it, if you can change it, if you can open yourself all the more to the Lord, isn't then the payoff all the greater? If none of us was challenged, if none of us was to remove any stumbling block, first, it would be like the parent who just doesn't have any difference in discipline. Fine, go, run, play, you know, <laughs> play with broken glass or whatever. No, no. The challenge is itself a sign of love. And the removing the challenge, removing the stumbling block, makes the fruit of the love on Christmas Day, the fruit of the love in the fullness of our faith lives, the fruit of our love when the Lord comes again, all the greater. So we rejoice, not bemoaning the burden of removing the stumbling blocks, but rejoice that the Lord is generous enough to help us, kind enough to point it out, but generous, generous enough and strong enough to say he will help us remove the stumbling block and he will come to us in the incarnation, in the nativity. Rejoice then. Rejoice because the opportunity of transformation is both individual and communal. Rejoice because the love of the Lord is directed at your particular need, but given to all so that we're all on the same journey and the same path in general. Rejoice he says, he wrote, rejoice, I say to you. It is a powerful moment for us to realize that in this moment, in this day and age, the Lord loves us individually. And we respond to it in thanksgiving communally. He loves us as individuals and draws us together as a community. Do the great things, the general rule. Make the individual transformation. And then in praise and in thanksgiving, share with those next to you. You don't even know what their, what their stumbling block had been, but we know that we're all seeking to overcome it. 
because we are all seeking to receive the incarnate Son of God. Rejoice, I say. Again, I say, rejoice. Blessings to you.